Today is the third prayer Sunday of the year. And what we're going to do, just before we sort of think about prayer for a little while and just be encouraged about the subject, we're going to just pray and say, oh Lord, yeah, thank you for that we can know that praise is rising and you're doing things across the nations. But Lord, thank you that you're doing something here as well. You're doing something in our lives and changing us and making us more like you. So Lord, this morning, as we come to your word and as we learn more and be encouraged more about prayer, Lord, we just want to relax and say thank you, Lord, that we can pray. You encourage us, you tell us to come into your presence and to learn more about you, to listen, to talk, to relax. So we do that today and we say, Lord, draw us onward with you because we really want to know you more. Amen. Do you, do you get excited about prayer? Sometimes that's a good answer because prayer is one of those things where you sort of think, hmm, or at least that's what I think about it sometimes. Now, the good thing is, next month, October, it's October already next month, and the month after, November, we're going to have a whole series on prayer on Sunday mornings. That's what it's all going to be about. So it's not just going to be head knowledge, but we're going to be praying in different ways in the service and thinking about prayer and learning about prayer together. So I'm looking forward to that. So I can say yes about that because I think it's going to be really good and exciting. But that's October and November. Now I've got two main questions to ask you this morning and you'll notice what they are as we go along. I ask lots of questions, but there's two main ones to think about today. This isn't one of the main questions, but I wondered, what's one of the favourite places you've ever sat? What's one of the favourite places you've ever sat? Jill? On a beach, I think, in sunshine. On a beach in sunshine. Eleanor, you're nodding your head furiously, saying that's the same? A sunset. All right, should we just close our eyes and see if we can picture Eleanor and Jill on the beach? And just, oh, can you hear the lapping waves? Oh, and some birds, yeah. Anything else then? Any other favourite places you've sat? Because I definitely concur with that. They're brilliant places, Jean. When I was younger, younger, a lot younger, single, I used to like to go on Saturdays in the summer used to get the extension on bus, get up at Marlborough, and I used to have a stop over at Stratford, so I used to buy a book and a bag of fruit, and I used to walk up into the hills and just sit there, mm-hmm. and let all the peace be quiet, sleeping to me, and then I was refreshed for the next week. So that was one of my favourite Wow. Places. And it sounds like you can and still visualise yourself there. I not as stressed in my life when I was young, and that was just restored me. Um, and the other place which my favourite was was in Canada in the summer to go to um, Port Frank which is a beautiful beach on the shores of Lake Europe and so that's eastern Canada then isn't it again there was so much peace there it was a huge it was a seven mile beach wow and it was wide so you could just drive your car around and park it and that was your pleasure today fantastic um so, yeah, it, it was just, and, and there was, there was a, someone used to come along with a speaker in the van yeah. and preach. Oh, so, right. so, so you got your 
Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? Well, anyone else who wants to say it, sorry, we've run out of time for that segment, but <laughs> tell other people later and just sort of say, you'll never guess where I liked to sit when I was younger. And, and they'll just say, go on, tell us, Sujin. And they'll, they, you know, he's just sort of, uh, so you don't need to say anything now, but like, you know, just talking to people afterwards and just sort of say, oh yeah, this is what happened, this is where we went. So we've sat many different places. And maybe when you've eaten food, you've had some lovely places where you've eaten food. Maybe you've had some good company and the lovely surroundings. And maybe you can think of some examples in your head now. So you don't need to tell me now, but just in your head, just think where some nice places you've sat for some good meals. I've got a question, though. This is one of the main questions. Where are you sitting Right, where are you sitting now? Okay, so NCF. But I don't want us just to think physically. I want us to think metaphorically. Don't need to say out loud. This is just one thing to think about. Where are you sat right now metaphorically? In other words, it's not a physical thing, but in your mind, how do you feel? Life might not be easy or round to go with everything but is life good really is are you feeling good at feeling okay about things because there's various places that you might eat say for example we're going to think about eating a little bit over the next sort of few minutes i wonder physically or sorry metaphorically are you sitting having a meal here eating just sort of monkey nuts they are and you've got a plastic cup, plastic plates, with a picnic table in your garden. I wonder if you're just sitting there. Don't need to answer, just have a think. Or are you having a sort of TV supper? Some beans on toast in your favourite chair, and you're just relaxed, and you're just thinking, yeah, I'm not sort of right down with just the plastic sort of cutlery and plastic dish and spoon, but I'm relaxed and everything's pretty good. Or... Is it just a little bit more higher? Are you sort of sitting at your table with a nice tablecloth on, with the glasses in the right way, and you know you're expecting some good company coming later? I wonder if that's how it is. Oh, I wonder what's coming next. Are you sat there? Is that where you feel you're sat? Maybe there's someone just about to come in. Does Carson ever come to your house? In your imagination, metaphorically speaking, do you have someone like that who comes to you and just, yes, Mom? Yes, sir. Ah, but this is it. In our dreams, that's exactly it. I wish I had a nail and a hammer because she hit the nail right on the head. It's how we feel inside. Not just how we're feeling physically, but how are we feeling inside? Because that has a big effect. Where we regularly sit can have an effect on who we think we are. You know, what we might watch or listen to on the television or films or who we talk to or what people say to us has an effect on us either for good or for bad, doesn't it? If we're sat on the Lordship's table and everything is marvellous, we feel, like on the captain's table, I've never really been on a cruise with a captain's table, but do you know what I mean? Some cruises have captain's table, and they're sat in the best place. Everyone can see you. Life is swell. 
life is good. But I wonder how people like in the Bible, where they sat with God, where they sat in their lives, people like Samuel or Gideon or Jonah, how did they begin their relationship with God? And then having spent time with God, how it changed them? In a way, I'm glad Jean isn't here today because I've got a quote from Jean and you might get embarrassed about it because I haven't got it quite right. I, look, I listened back on some of the takes, but it wasn't there and I couldn't find it and I didn't have enough time. But it was a few couple of months ago, three months ago or something. He kind of said this as the gist. He sort of said, princes act like princes because they are princes. Now, he didn't quite say that, but that was the gist I got. Does anyone remember what he actually said? But he was talking about being a prince and then they act like princes. It's there somewhere on our sort of website. But I didn't get a chance to listen to about four hours of talks because I was trying to think about this one. Princes act like princes because they are princes. And we've got a princess and several princes there and Her Majesty as well, of course. And they act differently to what maybe normal people like us might do. Maybe some of you have listened or watched the documentaries about Diana dying and you sort of saw how their, sort of their regard for duty and responsibility is taken very seriously. And maybe that's because they're princes and a princess and they act like that. One of my favourite parts of the Bible is where this verse is from. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, people call it. And banqueting house in the Hebrew, which is the, the original language there, literally means the house of wine. And so some scholars think the house of wine is meaning the house of love. And so it's a really intimate situation. The lady who's the one who's speaking there, she doesn't care that other people know she's in love. She's feeling great. And you know, it talks about the banner. Often when you see like a demonstration or something, people are waving their placards and their banners and they're saying things, aren't they? They're not just holding them, walking quietly. They're making a lot of noise about it. And so this lady who's saying this in the Bible, he's saying, yeah, God loves me. Or, or the, uh, the gentleman loves me, the prince loves me. And life is different because of that. She's happy that people know she's being joyful and she's got the je ne sais quoi. Because that's just what life's about. She's feeling happy about that. In the Amplified Bible, it says that the banner is waved over her head in order to protect and comfort her. So God is inviting us to his house of love, his banqueting table, his banqueting hall. I wonder if we think of that as just this picnic table with plastic cutlery and bowls and things, or do we think it as lavish? Not any old napkin from Tesco or Sainsbury's, but beautiful linen napkins, beautiful crockery. Is this where we meet with God? 
is this where we sort of feel God has taken us? Do we meet in a fabulous place when we meet with God? The brilliant thing is, prayer means meeting with God. God made the gigantic woolly mammoths and elephants, and yet he made a little newt. God made all the shades of yellow. Now, I've picked that colour because no one's wearing yellow today. There's a yellow chair there. But how many shades of yellow can you think of? Again, just think in your head. There's probably dozens and dozens. But God knows all the shades of yellow because he made them. God is faithful and trustworthy and holy. And yet he wants to spend time with us in this banqueting hall at the banqueting table. He wants our relationship to grow. Now, I've been thinking about it this week, and I know that most famous people don't invite us to their house. In fact, we probably don't know where their house is. So, has anyone ever had an invitation from Michael Parkinson to go for a cup of tea? Has anyone ever had an invitation from... Uh, Her Majesty, we talked about her earlier. No? I know some people have been to garden parties and things like that, so that's really good. Has anyone ever had an invitation from anyone famous? Keith? Go on, tell us about it, very quick, if you don't mind. Say it again. And the, the musician? Wow! Okay, well that's good. Now, I'm trying to think of a Holly's song, but I can't quite think of one just there. So, but he's a famous person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a mu- famous musician. And maybe you know of other people that have had invitations, maybe in this country or in other countries, had famous uh, people invite them to their house. But generally speaking, if we go, to, say, to Buckingham Palace and we think we're going to go through the gates, first of all, there's gates, tall gates, big fences. If you go to a different part of the Buckingham Palace, more around the back, there's barbed wire. There's soldiers with guns. There's lots of policemen with guns. What's that saying to you when you go to Buckingham Palace? You're not welcome here. Is that what it says? Come and stand outside and cheer if there's a changing of the guard or if someone drives past or something. But you're not welcome. Don't come in. Keep out. And yet God says, come and meet with me at the banqueting hall today and tomorrow. The brilliant thing is, God doesn't want us just to spend a spare ten minutes at his banqueting table. He wants our relationship to grow. And we can meet together like this, or we can meet with thousands of people, maybe at New Wine or Spring Harvest, or we can meet in smaller groups, or just with two people. But God wants us to meet with him. And as we pray later, that's going to be the encouragement that we're not coming to God, and we really have to bang on the metaphorical pearly gates to say, let us in, we want to pray, we want to come and talk to you. God is here already, saying, yes, I love you. I want our relationship to grow. But it's even better than that. You know how maybe some of you remember Psalm 42, where it says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul uh, longs for you. 
I think God is like that as well. Because in a different version, in the message, it says, he took me home with him. This is Song of Solomon 2, verse 4. He took me home with him for a festive meal. But his eyes feasted on me. Wow. To me, I was thinking about that a lot this week. I'm thinking, sometimes you might go out for a meal and all you're interested in is the company's nice and it's great and everything and lovely. Oh, but wasn't the meal great? But when we meet with God, with the meal, he's really interested in all of us. He's that busy looking at us, trying to encourage us and love us, that, yeah, he just sort of, he's just overwhelmed by us. And to me, that makes me feel really great. But he demands things as well. And I was pondering on Amos 5, verses 21 to 24 this week, because just as he wants to spend time with us, so he wants us to be in the right place with him as well. Amos 5, verse 21, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And so what God is interested in is perhaps not what we're wearing, what we're like on the outside. We know this. But what are we like on the inside? Is there justice in our lives? Is there kindness and love in our lives? How does God see us? Again, over the last few weeks, we've been reading and listening to people talk about the two epistles by Peter. Maybe this struck your mind when you were listening as well. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people. This is God talking to you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Wow, we're a chosen people. Oh, it makes me feel six foot five thinking about that. We're chosen. We're a royal priesthood. Paul, you're part of the holy nation. That's great, isn't it? Margaret, you're chosen by God. Tanya, you're a part of the royal priesthood as well. That changes us, doesn't it? When we think we are these words, these categories, then that's brilliant. Maybe you know the King James Version very well. We're very peculiar. Because we're a peculiar people, aren't we? I really like that. In the message... Were God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. But my favourite version that I was reading this week was the New International Reader's Version. And it says, Gene, you are God's special treasure. We are all God's special treasure. And he encourages us to meet with him. 
I don't know what it's like with your special possessions, your special treasures. Most of mine I keep in a drawer or in a cupboard. Or if they were really sort of worth a lot and I've got nothing like this, I'd keep them in a bank vault. Because they're special and you don't want them to get stolen or to go or get disappeared or lost or anything. But do you know what God does? God doesn't sort of hide his special possession, his special treasure away. God says to the world, look, here's my church. Because it's the church, us, that is God's special possession. But of course, just thinking about the end of 2 Peter 9, where God's special possession is special treasure, and here's the bit that's really important too, that we may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So that's why God doesn't keep us in a drawer, metaphorically speaking, or keep us away from the world. God thrusts us out so that we can declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. I'm feeling even taller. I'm feeling six foot seven because I'm thinking, oh, that's a really tremendous responsibility. And yet God trusts us to take his good news to other people. Spurgeon said this, the Christian should work as if all depended upon him and pray as if it all depended on God. And maybe some of you have visited this church in Barcelona, the Sagrada Familia. And you might know it was first started in 1882. That was when the foundation stones uh, were laid. And they're hoping to complete it in 2026. So the cranes are still there. That was just from a few weeks ago. Because they're still building on it. And that made me think, like my Christian life, I and you need to keep on persevering with what God's called us to do. That we don't just sort of do it and it's a quick thing, perhaps, in our character or in our life. But we need to say, yes, Lord, thank you for the gods, for the gifts you've given me. But Lord, I still need your help big time. We need your help to carry on the work in my life individually and in our lives collectively. I've read this verse out before, Zechariah 4, verse 6. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And we've all got talents. We've all got abilities in varied ways. And we can all do things for God. But God says, you need my help. I'm the one that really does things. And so as we think about the abilities we have, so we can say to ourselves, Lord, thank you for what you've given me and how you help me to encourage others. But Lord, I still need you big time. Zerubbabel, you might know, was one of the leaders or the leader bringing people back to the Jewish land from, uh, from the exile. And he brought lots of people back because both kingdoms had been exiled and they went back to Jerusalem, and it was just a terrible place, because it had all been destroyed. And he wanted to build the temple for God again. And so this was what it was. It was being encouraged by Zechariah. Don't think you can do it on your own. You've got plenty of people to help you, 
and there's lots of bricks and things around. But God says to you, Zerubbabel, you need me to help you. And maybe our tasks to build a church in Anita might be smaller, but we're still there to say, yes, I want to do my part, but Lord, I need you to work through me and in me. You might have heard of the revival in Nuneaton in 1905, how in the first few months of that year, thousands of people got saved. And I really want to say, Lord, it's time for your church to grow in Nuneaton again. I'm not satisfied with what the church is like in this town. The disunity, the sort of keeping to ourselves. Lord, it's time. Will you break in, into the church in Nuneaton, because... It's not really going very far at the moment. We need your help, your spirit, not just our might, our power, our ideas. Lord, we need you to come and do something, to build your kingdom here. Many churches are growing around the world. But the church in Nuneaton isn't. NCF isn't. Maybe the time is coming, maybe, when God will break in and do something and change our hearts and change the hearts of the people on this estate and around. We thought about the first question then. Let's just briefly move on. We're sitting in a splendid place. But here's the second question then. Where is our main focus when we pray? That's the second question. Let's think about church just generally, just for now. I wonder... Is our focus on inside the church building? Again, just think about it in your head. You don't need to tell me out loud with this. Now, I haven't asked Paul, but I'm guessing that perhaps two or three hundred different people come into the building every month, approximately. Something like that. So, we could just concentrate on what we're doing. We could just concentrate on those two or three hundred people. That's pretty good. But is God calling us to open the door and to look outside and to look at the view and to go out and spread the gospel to other people? I found out some figures. Over 21,000 people live in the wards of St Nicholas, Weddington and Whitestone. And I think that's kind of our patch, our parish. 21,000 people. Thinking a bit broader than that, over 120,000 people live in the borough of Nuneaton and Bedworth. And then if you add on Hinkley, because that's not that far, and other villages as well, which aren't too far away, that's another good few thousand. Let's think a bit more. Well over a thousand new houses are being built within a 20-minute walk of NCF in the next three years. Well over a thousand. Wow, that's a brilliant thing. Right on our patch, right in our parish. It's got, got something amazing that it's going to do through NCF in the next three years with these new houses. I'm, shake, I'm nodding my head. I won't get the right word. I'm not shaking my head. I'm definitely nodding my head. I think God is going to do something. Why is he allowing all these houses to be built where there is a vibrant church? Us, we're the vibrant church. Because the vibrant church can take the good news of God to the new people that are moving into the town. Wow, that's an honour, isn't it? 
So, here's the question again. Where is our main focus when we pray? Because the obvious answer is both inside and outside. There are lots of people that come into the church, two or three hundred, maybe a bit more, and we do want to pray for them. We do want to talk to them. But also, we do want to say, Lord, help me to go out and be encouragers to other people as well. So there are the two questions. Where is our main focus when we pray? And where are we sitting? But sometimes in life, life gets really awful and tricky. And again, metaphorically, our lives are the castle and we just pull the drawbridge up because we have to spend time on our own, with family, with friends. Maybe you're cooking a meal for a friend every day. The other week, my dad was ill. And so I went round every day. He only live in Addiston, but it's like he was ill and with low blood pressure. So I went and cooked for them and chatted, and my brother and sister did the same. So that was just something different to what I was doing normal, just because the need arose. And in all our lives, that happens, doesn't it, where people do sort of draw, make the drawbridge go up, and instead of being the outward-looking and sort of getting on with normal things, we just need help ourselves. And that's totally right and totally good. But for most of the time, I think God calls us to focus outside of ourselves for most of the time. In 1 Corinthians 13, I know quite a few of you would know this, it talks about love. And I just want to say the word prayer instead of love and see if it's true in my life. And maybe in your head, you can just be saying, is that true for my prayer life too? My prayers are patient. My prayers are kind. The way I pray doesn't cause envy. I don't boast when I pray to God. I'm not proud when I pray with God when I'm on my own. My prayers don't dishonour others. They are not self-seeking. When I pray, I'm not easily angered. And when I pray, I don't talk to God about all the failings of other people, keeping a, a big, long record of wrongs. When I pray, I don't delight in evil, but I rejoice with the truth. When I pray, I'm always praying for protection for people. I'm always praying that people will find me trustworthy and that they'll be trustworthy. When I'm praying, I'm always hoping. When I'm praying, I'm always persevering. My prayers never fail. And to me, when I was thinking about that this week, I was quite challenged by it. Thinking about sometimes my prayers aren't that way. After Jesus' resurrection, he spent a little bit of time, a few weeks, with his disciples. And the last thing he said to them is recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Philip's 
when he translated that verse, he said, but you are to be given power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. You'll be witnesses to me, not only in Jerusalem, not only throughout Judea, not only in Samaria, but to the very ends of the earth. And to me, the way that Phillips has uh, translated it, it sounds like a market trader. Sort of saying, you can have that, but not just that. You can have that as well. And as well as that, you can have this, if you give me £20 just now. So I feel that is this, when God is talking to us about our mission, he's not just saying, concentrate on a little. Extend. Think a bit more, Jesus is saying to us today. But then he doesn't just say, think about Judea and Jerusalem. He says, extend a bit more. Go to Samaria as well. And he says, that's not enough. I've blessed you. I've encouraged you. Do a bit more. Be encouraged. Go to the ends of the earth. We can't get any further than that, can we? Because people aren't living in space at the moment, we think. So we can't really take the gospel into space, even if we could. But you know what I mean? We are called to go all over the world in our prayers. And maybe it might be that God has called you to pray for certain events or certain people or certain countries but you've never been there but God is calling you to say pray for uh, Botswana just a country that just popped into my head or maybe Namibia or he's calling you to pray for Mongolia maybe you'll never go there but as you research or get some books or look on the internet or talk to people so you'll find out that you've got something in your heart that's growing. Because God's not calling us just for our streets, our family, but for something much bigger as we pray. That we can go to places and meet people by our praying as God is calling us to do that. So we've had two big questions, two questions we're thinking about. Where are we sitting? Are we sitting at the banqueting table with God as we pray, as we commune with him, as we listen to him? Is it a massive banqueting table with lovely things on top? Or is our prayer life at the moment just with a picnic table in our garden? And where are we sitting? Where's, and where's our focus? We're sat in a beautiful place, but are we looking outward, which is generally the best thing to do, or are we just looking at ourselves? which is good sometimes because we need it sometimes, don't we, to concentrate and focus on ourselves and our close friends. So we are going to pray today. I've got ten things that I've got ideas for. Some of them I'm sure we're not going to use, but some of them I'm hoping that we will use. And we'll come back to some of these things on here in a few minutes. But let's just pray and say, Lord, help us with that idea of where are we sitting and where are we looking? Where are we focusing our attention, our energies? And then once we've, sung the, once we've uh, prayed, then we're going to just sing a little bit, pray a little bit, maybe in, in small groups, maybe out loud together, all kinds of things as the next sort of 40, 45 minutes goes along. But let's pray first. So Lord, we thank you for your word, and thank you that you love the whole world. You love us, love, love us individually, but you love everyone. So Lord, as we sit with you in a beautiful place, Lord, help us not to get so consumed by being with you 
that we forget about others. Lord, will you carry on transforming and changing us, helping us to be your children, your ambassadors, Lord, so as we take your truth to others, so they'll learn about your love and your wonderfulness too, Lord. So help us to act on what you tell us to do and help us to hear what you're saying to us. Amen.